0: I want to just announce that uh, if you have a first to third grader or preschooler, we have places places for them. And Brittany is in the back there, and she'd be glad to help you find that if you want to. You are more than welcome to keep your children with you as well. Uh, so, I'm Glenn Watley. I am uh, one of the elders at the gathering place, and uh, have just this past year. Um, Felt the calling of God to do uh, church planting, revitalization, really don't know what it's going to be or what it is. It is what it is. But it's kind of like, uh, what what I felt the call from was the book of Acts when we were studying the book of Acts and saw the ministry of Paul and we have a number of different uh, churches and missionaries across the world and just really feeling called to take the message that I shared before the service. The simple message of the gospel and to take it to places around the world. Because we have experienced here the bondage that comes from sin, and just living in sin and not knowing a way out, but also the bondage that comes from religion, living in religion and not knowing any way out. <laughs> you know, just going through the motions of, and, and just feeling heavy and, and knowing that that's not what Christ wanted. And so, all of the language that we just sang, uh, it, it might be uh, strange. It's probably not strange in some ways, but I want you to know that these are things that we really feel. Uh, I think for so long, man, I preached like, because I I was preached to this way, I, I preached like I can talk somebody into acting like they love God. I can talk someone into acting like they really feel something for God, and as long as they say it and sing it, they can feel good about themselves and go home. And I wasn't good with that. There was a point in my life when I got where that wasn't good for me. And I wanted more and God began to describe to us and help us to understand through his word very clearly, easy scriptures of, of what the difference is between just religious activity and relationship. The Pharisees and Sadducees, the people that Jesus had all the trouble with in his time on the earth were the religious people. It wasn't the tax collectors and sinners. Those are the ones he hung out with. Those are the ones that were listening to him or receiving what he said. And, and I, although I've always tried to make myself Somebody besides the Pharisees and Sadducees, I found myself in the leadership like a Paul who had all the right pedigree and the right training and all that stuff, and I'm, I'm, my life is empty and feeling nothing toward God. But today I can say, you know, I can't sing these songs without feeling what we're singing. I mean, what we just sang about, uh, that, about my kingdom next to his, falling, Man, it, it, mine fell, and, and I want nothing but him. And that's different. Uh, if, you, if you just listen to the, the, the little differences in the language today, you're going to hear that. We want to know God. We want to know Him by person. How can you expect me to... You know what would be weird is if I came up to you, a total stranger in our church today, and said, You need to love me. You should love me, and you're supposed to, and you ought to. Love me. <laughs> and then waited for your response. And you might say, I love you. And I might, it might not be good enough. And my friend next to me might say, You need to say that bigger and better. Isn't that crazy? That's ludicrous that we would expect that we would love a person without knowing that person. And so our whole, our whole goal at the Gathering Place and our whole goal in missions around the world is in church planting is to help people to understand how to know God. Now, one way you know God, the first way you know God is by what we just saw today. You receive the grace of God for salvation. He gives you salvation as a free gift He washes you clean. That's one characteristic, or a couple of characteristics tied up in one, I guess, of who God is. He is a God of grace, which means he gives us what we don't deserve. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. He gives us that free gift. That's grace. I mean, That's a beautiful characteristic. It's what draws us to him when we see him for who he is. But there's so much more that God wants to reveal about himself to you. And we thought after that, all you're supposed to do is read the Bible and say, well, the Bible says that God is fill in the blank. And then we're supposed to feel that toward God. But look look at what Jesus said about how he wants to reveal more of himself to us. It's in John chapter 14. This is the last moments that Jesus had with his disciples prior to his crucifixion. So this is the last moments and he's he's trying to give away this beautiful truth of what it means to walk with him and know him more and more every day by experience. Look at what he says. Beginning with verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest, or reveal myself to Him? Jesus Iscariot said to Him, Lord, how is it that You will manifest Yourself to us and not to the world? That's a good question because everybody doesn't really see God for who He is. And look at what Jesus said. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves Me, he will keep My word, and the Father will love him, and we will come to Him and make our home with Him. Whoever does not love Me, does not keep My words, And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So here's what Jesus is saying in that passage. It's very simple, and this is the core value of this church, is that we believe that God wants to continue to manifest himself to us. And the way he says that happens is, it's not complicated. He says, you obey my commandments. You keep my word. And he says it a lot of different ways in John's Gospel and in John's epistles. Over and over again. And the whole Bible is a story about men and women who knew God because they obeyed what he said. And God manifested himself in them and through them. So, at the gathering place, we talk about a cycle of abiding that comes from this passage. Later on, Jesus comes and says, if you abide in me. My word abides in you. Ask, you know, ask what you will to be done for you. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you abide in me or remain in me, which is what he described here, that the Father and the, and the Son are living with us, dwelling with us. We remain in him. That is, obey him moment by moment, day after day. He says, then you will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And so here's, here's the cycle that, that God has given us in this passage. First of all, starting on the right side, we understand what the will of God is. We have to know His will before we can obey what He says. And we're not just talking about reading principles from the Bible. There's plenty of those, right? We can get a list of principles from Scripture. But we're talking about moment by moment. He says, if you remain in me. That is, literally, it's intercourse with God. Remain with me. If you are always abiding, always obeying, moment by moment, not just when you read a principle and you follow a list, but you are walking with God. He's abiding in you, dwelling with you, and you're asking God and you're sensitive to the Spirit's leadership and you're applying the word that you learn and that you know. We study theology. That's good. We want to know what the Bible says. The Bible is our source of truth. But once we have that foundation inside of us, on top of that foundation is now built this relationship with God that we gain in this knowledge of God that we gain by experience through obedience. So we, we want to know the will of God, so we do study the Bible. That's what we do. First thing we do is we get after it, man. We get in the Bible, we study the word, we, we, we read it, we study it, we memorize it, we meditate on it, we sing it. We want to know the word of God, what he says. Because when we know his word, then we can do the second thing, which is obey, right? Bottom Obey God's commands. Now, in between our understanding of God's will and our obedience is a faith challenge, always. And God told David, all right, it's time, bud. Going to go kill that giant with a rock. You think there wasn't a faith challenge? There was a faith challenge. And he described where his faith came from. He said, well, I've already, God's already defeated a bear and he's already defeated a lion. When they were trying to take my sheep earlier, what's this uncircumcised Philistine? He had faith that he drew from his previous experiences with God. He knew God by experience, right? And so he uses the faith that he has. So wherever your faith is, if your faith is very weak right now, obey God where you can. Maybe there's some things you're not ready to release to God yet. Some area of your life that you know you, it's sin, but you're, you're going to walk in it. Obey Him where you can. And watch what happens next because the fruit comes next. Once you abide in him, which all that is is obeying, then the fruit comes. And the first fruit is you get to see God-exclusive activity. He manifests himself. So, so Moses, God tells Moses to hold up his staff. I mean, if, if I'm Moses, I'm going like, really? Maybe you didn't hear what we said. There's an army coming behind us and a sea in front of us, and we're gonna, and all these people are whining and complaining. Now, like, what do we do? And God says, hold up your staff. Now, he didn't say that, but I would have. And so he holds up a stick in the air, and then God exclusive activity happens. God does what only God can do and the, the sea parts and the, the army comes in and God drops the sea on the army and kills them all. And they came to know what's cool about that was not that they could say, wow, wasn't that cool? Let's go on. Moses learned something about God. That God and, he, and he writes a song about it in, in the story. Right after they come out of the Red Sea, M- Moses writes this beautiful song of all the things that God did and what he learned about his character through that. So Moses is coming to know God, continuing to come to know God because he's obeying God every day and every moment. There's not a time when he doesn't go to God and say, what do I do here, what do I do here? Now, we can't spend all of our lives on our knees praying and asking God, what do I do now? What do I do now? But God, knowing the Word of God, getting sensitive to the Spirit of God in you will help you to understand that. And so that's what we do. That's what we do at the gathering place. It's our goal. It's what we do personally. So today I'm telling a story briefly about Romania, but what I want to focus on in these next few minutes that we have together is that when we do missions, as a church, we're not doing anything different than what you're doing in your house, what you're doing at home, by yourself, in your workplace, what you're doing every day. It doesn't change when we get to missions. What we do here, the gathering Place, what God's called us to in relationship with Him, is the same when we go on the mission field. So I just want to show you, tell you what I've learned about God. Incredible incredible so most of y'all know that last uh year ago august my mom and dad were in a car wreck and they were in lafayette and so i went to lafayette to to be with them and a friend of mine who was a college buddy came to the hospital because he works in the church there in lafayette heard that mom and dad were in a car accident on facebook and he comes to see me and we visit for a little while and we're catching up now whole nother story so i'm not telling it i had just gotten back from honduras where God had opened up a door for 10 churches in Honduras. And we we now have a pastor on the ground who's training pastors in Honduras. God opened that door. We did nothing to make that happen. That's a whole other story of one after another after another God moments, how God took over and showed himself to us. But we just got back. And so he said, what are you doing? He said, tell me about your life. I said, well, I'm just transitioning into this new thing. I don't know what it's going to be, but I just got back from Honduras and we're doing church planting there. And he takes a gasp and kind of steps back and says, are you serious? I said, yeah, What are doing church planting. He says, that's pretty cool. And he said, we've been working in Romania for almost 20 years with uh, gypsy orphans. And he said, we started, in, in, and there was an orphanage there, and then the orphanage closed, and a friend of mine and I decided we wanted to continue to help these kids to do well in school because they typically drop out, and then they don't have much of a life. And so we started... An organization called Another Child Foundation, and we've been doing school, before school care, after school care, and a preschool, and then some humanitarian aid. They feed them a couple of meals a day at this place called Point of Hope. And he said, and we got some kids that are now grown up, and they're too old; they're they're, they're aging out of Point of Hope, and we want to. We don't know what to do with them spiritually because there's one church in the community, and it's a, in a home, and it's like holds forty people, and there's. We believe 2,000 families in this community that, are, that have no church. He said, man, would you be interested in, in helping us? I said, man, let me pray and bring that to our elders. But Yeah, it sounds like God to me. So, of course, I brought it to the elders and immediately. We were all on board with that. We knew it was from the Lord, right? So, we look, we asked the Lord. We're asking him all the time. Show us what to do. In missions, we're do- I'm doing that. I'm not trying to go off on a tangent and do something on my own. I'm just asking God, what do we do? So God spoke when I wasn't even looking for it, right? But now I know what he wants. I know his will, so I have something to do. Well, faith challenges are, it costs money to go to Romania. I don't know about Romanians. You know, what am I going to do when I get there? What's, you know, came, I couldn't afford it at the time. Our money was, you know, low. Uh, what do I do? God said, go. All right, I'm going to obey. started arranging trips and uh, went, went down there in March. So this is the March after the August. So get there in March. I'm, I'm on my way, flying in the an airplane, and I'm reading my scripture that I read every day. I'm just, you know, I read through the Bible. I do some other things too, but I'm just reading through the Bible. I try to cover the whole Bible in a year. It's not very impressive, really. It's just a couple of chapters. So I, I'm reading my reading for the day on the airplane. And it's the story of Gideon, who's the weakest member of the weakest tribe of Israel. And he's, God's calling him, to go and, and lead the army, the Israelite army, to defeat the largest army they'd ever fought, the Midianites and all these eastern peoples who are described in Scripture as their camels were more than the sands on the sea. Lots of people. And so Gideon has this moment with God where he says, okay, are you, are you sure about this? Because he was actually threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it away from the enemy. He was hiding. And he says, God, if this is you, I just would you mind... Make the fleece wet in the morning and the ground dry. Y'all know the story. Make the ground dry the next morning. Okay, that might have just somebody might have spilled something. If you don't mind, (laughs) make the ground wet and the fleece dry in the morning. Anyway, goes through this process where God increases His faith through experience, and then Gideon goes, but he's a nobody. Ultimately, God reduces him to his army to three hundred men, and they're armed with jars and torches. You know, no bazookas, no, you know, no machine guns, but he goes. And so, when I read that story, this is what the Lord, the Spirit said to me in that moment. Okay, and this is how the Spirit speaks. Okay, He doesn't speak audibly, but the Spirit spoke to me in the moment because I know where I'm going. God knows where I'm going. He knows where my heart is and what I'm thinking about. He says, "You're a nobody. You have nothing to bring, and I'm going to give you what you need." So don't go over there with an agenda or a plan or whatever else. Of course, I had a a backpack full of stuff ready to unload whatever I decided I needed to unload in a moment. But God said, I got it. And you go and just go. All right, I got my command. doesn't sound right. When I get off the plane the guy says, what are we doing? I say, I don't know. We went to the hotel and spent the night. Next morning I get up and I'm getting before God and finding, okay, you said nothing, so it's you. Next part of the story, Gideon. I said, God, what are we doing today? Gideon, the next part of the story, God sends Gideon into the enemy's camp to listen to the tent, listen by the tent of one of the enemy's soldiers. And he hears the fear in the, in the hearts of those men. Unwarranted fear, right? It's not, they're scared of the army that's coming. And Gideon goes, what? Have you seen a picture of our army and our weapons? You know." But he hears their fear. And because he was, when he heard, God was able to calm his heart, give him peace, give him more direction. And the Spirit spoke to me that morning and said, this is what you're here for. You're here to listen, not to speak. You're here to, you're here to take in. And I'm, and listen for me, for me, and everybody you talk to. So I asked John to make some arrangements with some pastors. And, you know, we obviously went to the Point of Hope Center, and we went to, um, to the pastor in the Gypsy community, and I asked to talk to them. And, You know, just set up some meetings and just trusted that God was going to lead all that. And I listened. I listened. And here's what I heard while I was there. I heard a pastor who didn't believe in the grace of God, who didn't understand the grace of God. Not that he didn't believe it. He didn't understand the grace of God. He had never heard what I told you a while ago. And he was a pastor. He had never heard that the righteousness of God was given to us as a free gift. And when I talked about it, he was, yeah, butting me the whole time. Yeah, but then the people are going to do, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah but it says it in the word all over the place the whole book of Romans the whole book of Galatians how do you miss it I know how I missed it but come on get this and I thought well we're not going to have anything to do with him but what I heard him say was this I heard him say I have a gypsy elder in my church and we planted a church with him a, a gypsy church with him in another community so I'm I heard that. I wrote it down in my journal. I said, okay, I'm going to need to connect with him because this is the only guy that I've heard talk about because of this prejudice between the Romanians and the Gypsies. The only guy I heard say that this is, uh, I'm a, I, have a, I have one, and we're doing this. All right, God. I don't understand it, but okay, that's, that's a connection. I heard that, wrote it down that day. Also that day I met with another pastor. was in their church on a Sunday morning. It felt just like this in a different language. They were singing our songs. I mean, I was singing the songs in English and they were all looking like, What? who's that guy? You know, but I had, I had great experience, met the pastor later, young guy, very like us, it seemed. I thought, this is the one. Uh, wrote that down in my journal that day. Go out to meet with uh, the pastor in the gypsy community. A pastor, not a gypsy pastor, but the other pastor, a, a Baptist pastor in the community. And as we talked, Immediately heard him, heard the prejudice, and heard that he wasn't, he didn't want to have anything to do with those kind of people. Okay, I heard that. I needed to hear that because I didn't really believe that it was true. But I heard it and I realized, okay, it's not going to be him who's going to be helping us. And God, do something with this prejudice. So, uh, anyway, that's what I heard. Uh, On the way back home that day, there's a, there's a young man named Luci, who was an orphan, grew up in a Romanian orphanage, then was adopted by a group home and had a great and came to know the Lord through that and had a great experience with the Lord. And, but he's, he was very, um, I don't know, he, he wasn't the kind of person you would put in leadership, it didn't seem like. But on the way up there, I asked John, I said, is there somebody on the ground that we really need to talk to that you think would be a leader? And this is the guy he talked about. And so I wasn't seeing it, to be honest with you. And we'd been there a couple of days now, and so we're coming back from the Point of Hope Center to the city where I was staying, about a 45-minute drive, and he and I are in the back seat, and I said, I said, Lucy, tell me your story. Tell me me your story. So he tells me his story. Basically, he was was the son of his mother and a man who nobody knew. We was not even sure who his father was. And then his mother married another man and the two of them had a son and uh, and so he was in that family and then ultimately that mother um, couldn't uh, they, mom and dad split up and mom couldn't afford to take care of both kids and so she, she said to the husband you're going to have to take Lucci and so she sends Lucci off with a man who's not his father and it wasn't long before the the father said, this is too much for me. And he put, put Lucci into an orphanage. Uh, and this is going to be our leader. Okay, I'm good with that. He's weak, right? He's a, he's a Gideon, maybe. But anyway, so next morning. He tells me. Now, that's basic, basically his story. A lot more to it. But that's, that's the basic story. The part you need to hear. Next morning, I get up reading the scripture. The next story in the scripture is the story of a character named Jephthah. Whom, if you had asked me at the time who's Jephthah, I would have said, I don't know. I know I've read the Bible every year, but I don't know who he is. Here's, here's the story of Jephthah. Jephthah was the son of, his mother, uh, son of his father and a prostitute. And later on, the father married a woman, and they had more sons. And the sons didn't like Jephthah because he wasn't their real brother. And so they sent him off. And he goes off into a foreign land. But he was a mighty warrior, the Bible says. So he's, same story. He gets sent off. So, man, I, you got my attention now, God. We get down a little bit later in the story, and this is what happens. Israel needed a judge. They needed a leader. Somebody to lead them in the battle, and they wanted a mighty warrior. And somebody said, how about Jephthah? So they called for this orphaned boy because his mom uh, because his dad had him by a prostitute. They sent him off and orphaned him. They called for him to come and be their leader. Now, you can't make that stuff up. Here's a story in the Bible. The next day, after I, read, after I hear his story, of an orphaned boy because of his parents' infidelity who's been sent off, who's now being asked to be the leader. Yeah, I got a leader. I knew I got a leader there. He doesn't look like one to me, but I know he's going to be one, right? So, all right, Lord, I heard you. I heard that, right? So those are the things I heard. Um, met with the pastor, the gypsy pastor, heart for God, very personal. Had it, he really understood. Uh, he, his, his, the words that he said that I heard was, I just want the people in this community to want God and to know God. He said, don't, I said, how can we help you? He said, one thing is just don't bring stuff in here. Don't bring a bunch of stuff in here because what happens is they're already messed up that way. They won't come to church unless they get stuff and then I got to try to get through all that and get them to the point where they see God for who he is. I said, man, dude, me and you, we hooking up, right? I heard you, I heard that. All right, that doesn't seem complicated, okay, I know, but this is how God speaks. This is how you. This is how you abide in Christ in another country. Is you just, you just follow Him, right? He started it in a hospital bed, and He brought me over there. So, so I go back in July, bring a team of people: Lizzie, and, uh, Kaylee, and who else went? Can't remember Rachel, who's not here anymore, and who? Oh yeah, Rachel and Rachel, both Rachels. Rachel went twice. I mean she got paid for it twice. I mean, she only went once. But we go. We go. That's an inside joke. We get up there and God opens the door so, so Lizzie writes this curriculum for these children. 40 of the kids from that village come to a camp for the week and Lizzie teaches them how to abide in Christ. Teaches them that cycle that we just showed. Tells them Bible stories and how, to, how those people came to know God by experience through obedience when they heard what God said and they did what he said. And so that was great. Well I was there to meet with I thought the Pastor that I really liked, and with Lucci to get him on board, and then go to the Gypsy village and meet with the Gypsy pastor and say, "Hey, we want to do this, and we're going to come and train all your people." Blah blah blah. And God didn't let any of that happen. The only one that was even interested in seeing me, and he was extremely interested, all of a sudden, was Yabut. Yabut, Pastor. Okay, man. When I told him I was coming into town, I'd like to see him because you know he was one of many I wanted to see. He jumped on it. like he, I told him I, was, I wasn't going to be able to make it for church. He said, man, I'll pick you up at the hotel and take you out to dinner. I mean, he was like overboard. And when we met, it was like a different guy. There was no more buts. It was just, yeah, 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 yeah. He started receiving everything I said. and we initiated. I, mean, he, I said, man, I'd love to spend a little more time with you tomorrow if you have time. And he was going on vacation. And he said, I'm going to clear the day. <laughs> he cleared the day, and we spent the whole morning together. About four or five hours and it was just nonstop. and everything I was saying showing him from the word and the, the distinctives of abiding in Christ and all this the grace of God he, he was repenting and saying man I've been doing this wrong and I need to man I, this is so refreshing I need this and he left and he and, and, or I left and, and I came back to the states and I started praying for, for leaders none of the others worked out so I get back home and God starts dealing with me about this new ministry that I'm doing And basically said, over and over again, in my quiet times, through devotionals, through the Word, you're not going, you're not going to be needed in these places. You're going to invest in one, and I'm going to invest through that one into the rest of them. Who are you? I can take somebody else, use you to touch them, and then use them. Okay? So you're just a Paul, go get you a Timothy, and then get out. I got it. Well, it made sense immediately, because the guy that all of a sudden is on board with me is Lucci's pastor. And they live in the same town, which is 45 minutes away from the, the village. And he also had a gypsy pastor. So he has a connection with and knows how to deal with that cultural and prejudice that's already there. And, and so he would know how to work with these, these pastors in, the, in that village. And uh, all the pieces started falling together. So I, I messaged him and asked him if he would pray about meeting with me. It took him almost a month to make his decision. In the meantime, God's dealing with me, right? Because I've, look, the hardest thing is when God, when God does what he does, or or when you obey what he says, and God, and you're waiting on God to do what he's going to do, a lot of people give up right there. Like Abraham and Sarah, when they decided to have a child through Ishmael, right? They gave up. And so, I'm going to wait on you, Lord. So, about a month later, Cool part of the story. More of the story. Here it is. He he comes up. And I'm about done, by the way. So he comes to... Uh, he, he messaged, I messaged him one day and said, Hey, man, how's it going with your prayers? I'm praying for you. He said, The Lord's told me to do this. To help you. And so great, great. Awesome. So I'm celebrating on my couch at the Hidden Grounds. Shout out. Favorite coffee shop. And... And so immediately I got on my, my computer and started looking at airline tickets to get over there to, to get with him, train him like I'm supposed to do, and then get out, right? So I get on, online, check airline tickets. It's going to be $995, which, you know, we all know God's more than able to provide. The Watleys, we know it because we experience it all the time. So there's no doubt that he's going to provide for that. But I get a text message from our financial secretary, Ms. Hannah McKay, who she sends, she sends this out, no, email. She sends this out to the elders every week. And it's just a report of the, of the balances for that week, where the money is in the church. And we started, we opened up an account called the Gathering Place Network to fund what I do at, uh, at the beginning of last year, but there was no money in it, and there has been. We, we just hadn't got there yet. All of a sudden, I get the, the balance, and there's a $1,000 in the network account. And so I said, there's no way. This has got to be an error or something. So I call Anna on the phone and say, Anna, what's this $1,000 in the network account? She says, so-and-so gave $1,000, not a member of our church. And if I told you who he is to me, it would blow your mind. I there's no reason this guy should have been giving money to, to us, but he did. 1000 bucks. he gave it to the network. All right, Lord, there's the money to pay for this account. In the moment, in the day that this guy committed now, if that doesn't, all right, again, I know that's a cool story. But if that doesn't increase your faith in God, if that's you, and you're the one having these experiences, if that doesn't deepen your love for him and show you something about his character that makes you love him for reals, like not because you're supposed to sing a song about it, if that doesn't make it real to you, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. Man, I just—I'm just overwhelmed, right, with love for God and trust in God, and you got this whole thing, okay? We got it. So, just got back from Romania, went back to meet with him, and I don't have time to tell you all of it. I just want to say, God opened him up on day one. He asked me to speak at a to a, a school that they're starting. It was 50, 40 to 50 men who are wanting. To training in the Bible, and he told me, he said, "I just want." I said, "What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say?" He said, oh, "Just about 45 minutes." I'm thinking, "Are you serious? 45 minutes? About what?" He said, "Just tell them about how important the Bible is, and you know, just, you know, to be good leaders, you know. And we're going to train you to do that. All right." So I get up the next morning, and I'm praying. All right, God, what do you want me to say? God said, "I want you to talk about nothing but abiding." And so I thought, okay, well, how does abiding fit into the school? Okay, we need to know the Word of God. We need to know it. We need to study it. We need to understand it. We need to understand it in its context. We need to know it well so that we can apply it, live it, have it available to us in every moment so that when the Spirit says, this is how you act, this is what you do, we do it so that we can know God. So we get in the meeting. He stands up. The pastor friend of mine uh, used to be, uh, yeah, but, is now Yeah. All right, he stands up and he gives this spiel about the school. Thirty minutes. I don't know what he's saying because I don't speak Romanian and I don't have an interpreter, so he's just speaking. So then I hear my name and he says he does this. And so I get up and I start speaking through an interpreter and I share, and the Holy Spirit just starts speaking, and and it's like it does, like he does all the time, he just speaks and things get bigger and bigger and bigger, and the men are getting more and more on the edge of their seat and hearing everything and receiving everything, and you could just see hearts being changed, lives being changed, and I'm just again going, God, you are so incredible. If I had done what I had planned to do, it would have been terrible. You're so incredible. And we finished the meeting, and I have to, you know, these guys are hanging around, and he and I are supposed to meet for four or five hours that afternoon to talk about the Gathering Place Network, and he, uh, these guys are just hanging around, man, and they're just full. And this this one old guy comes up, and, which you wouldn't expect, he comes up and he, he has his son with him who speaks English and he says I want you to tell him this and he just pours his heart out about what God's doing in his heart and how thankful he was. So they go away and he and I get in our meeting. First meeting of three days, three more days of four to five hours a day. And then first meeting he, I said man how do, you, how do you think it went today? He said well I don't know how it went for everybody else. He said but he said, when you, when, you started, when you finished speaking, he said, I, I was so convicted. He said, I spent that whole 30 minutes talking about school this, school that. You know, you're going to be good leaders this, leader that. I never mentioned Jesus one time. I never talked about love, love for God, how much I love God. Or, you know, not, he said, and I realized, really, for the first time, what you were talking about back in July. Now I see what you mean when you say abiding. And I'm thinking, oh, God, you ready now? So he just opened wide open. It's like God just opened the vault. And then here he is, just tell me more. Tell me more. And we spent most of our time just talking about the Lord. And he was just full, just receiving all that stuff. And we preached in three churches the next day. And he was so excited and so full. And his people were so excited. It was just phenomenal. And then moment by moment, as the week went on, God would give us these little appointments where he could understand. Where he could understand. Uh, You know, the scripture I read the next morning was, about knowing God by experience it was in a devotional uh it told the devotional that next morning was about knowing God by experience through obedience which i probably said 100 times in that meeting in 40 minutes and, you know just God started speaking i was able to show him look look this is this is how God speaks he confirmed what we talked about yesterday and he does this all the time and then we he was asking me about evangelism how we do evangelism i said well the same way we do everything else i said you, you watch and if the spirit gives you a desire to speak to someone or shows you that you need to, then you do it. And, and you don't if he doesn't. You just live a life and you're ready. And you, when God gives you an opportunity, you speak. And, uh, and then we go to a restaurant by his request. Oh, so the, that night before, he had a man in his church who had never been there before. And, one, and he was one of the ones that came up to me and spent, he probably spent, well, he didn't spend long with me, uh, this guy, because he was, he was choked up. Like he couldn't even talk. He was like, it was good. (laughs) You know, and then he walks out. So the next day, we go to lunch. I asked him about that guy because I said something's going on in him. You need to check up on him. And he said, that's the first time he's ever been in our church. I said, well, you you need to find that guy and check up on him. We go to lunch. And we sit down at this random place. And one of the waiter comes up and says, hey, there's a guy in the back that that one of the cooks that says he knows y'all. He wants you to come back there. It's that guy. In this huge city in Romania, we ended up at the restaurant where this guy works and didn't even know, didn't even know the guy till the day before. And I, so I went back there. We visited with him for just a second because he's working. We go back and sit down and I said, now that is how, you, how God opens a door for evangelism. That guy's hungry. You know how you know? He's being drawn to God. You know why? You know how you know? Because God put us right here. And he put him in the church yesterday. And so, follow up on that. That's all you do. God's the one that's going to save him and take care of all that. You just go over there and share whatever God tells you to share. Share the gospel. He's going to be ready for it. And it was moment by moment by moment after things just like that. So, long story shorter than it would be. All of the things that God told me to listen for are happening. We have a leader on the ground who speaks Romanian. He's a pastor. He is now Lucci's boss. Lucy's going to be working for him to do youth ministry in the village where the gypsies live, where these kids are, and he's going to be. We're providing curriculum for him so that they can learn about the gospel, grace, abiding, and community, and that's it. I'm not going beyond that. Just simple, simple things. And uh, and then he's also going to train men in that village. We met with the. Gypsy pastor who I can ever find or get with, he came to town and met with us for lunch, I mean for dinner. And I unfolded this idea of house churches in that community so that he would train, he had men that he was mentoring, you train them and we'll help you do that and then they just pastor a church in their home. And he loved the idea. And so that's fixing to happen. All these house churches are gonna start in this village one at a time and we're gonna train the, those pastors with the school that's already started, that w- I had no clue about, that wasn't even on the agenda. Uh, so Lucci's leading the pastor. We have our pastor on the ground, who's not only is he going to be good; he is so excited. He is, he can't wait to do more of this. And then we've got uh, gypsy pastors, gypsy churches that are fixing to start in this in this community um, to spread the message of Christ. And I came home. And that's how God works. It amazes me. This is what I learned about God by experience. Through obedience. Is that God is in that country and he's in every country. And that God can take a nobody from this country and put him in the right place in another country. With a nobody in that country who didn't even know he was ready. But he was. And he can... He can guide our conversations and bring us both to a place where we can we can make a difference in a in a whole country. That country's not big. But that, that whole country can be transformed by what God does through this one man, through this one nobody and, and his little followers. So that's exciting, right? That's why we do missions. Right? So I was talking to the, the old fellow whose son was interpreting for him after the uh, after the little uh, school meeting, they couldn't help but say, you know, we have a sister who would love this idea. She's in a place where it's dry. She said they they haven't been able to find any church that really is warm to to a relationship with Christ and, and focusing on that. And so they started meeting in their home. I said, if I can help in any way, let me know. Where are they? London, England. Okay, let's go. I mean, if God's in it, we're going to go to London, England. We'll do it over there. Why is, it, does it, is it more important than across the street? No. Maybe across the street's not ready. Maybe they are ready in this one home, right? So that's what we're doing. We're just asking God to open doors, make our ears hear who we need to hear. And He knows that what we're ready for is to adjust to whatever He says, right? All right, I want to pray with everybody before we worship one more time, and then we'll be out of here. And you feel free to leave if you need to. We just We like to worship. But as I pray, I just want to say this. You know, I talked at the beginning about how Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. So if you feel the Father drawing you right now, you feel the Spirit of God moving in your heart. You may not be able to explain it. You might think, oh, this, you know, I don't know what this is. Let me just share. That's it. God loves you. And it's not because you're a good person. It's not because you deserve it. Because he's a good, he is a good God. He loves you and he wants you to know him and have a relationship with him, and he invites you to do that. So, I know that if you're at that place and you're ready for that, God's put that in your heart, then you you're not going to have a problem believing that Jesus died to wash your sins away, that His death and His uh, blood being shed is for your sins to be washed away. I know you're not going to have a hard time either believing that He rose from the dead because If the Lord's drawing you, then He puts that faith in your heart also. And so, confess that to God. Just say, I believe that you died for me. Your son died for me. I want my sins to be washed away. I receive the free gift that you're giving me of Jesus. And I want His righteousness in my life, not mine. Come in. Come into my life. Take over. Father, I pray for that today. This is what we want to tell the world. Now, thank you for giving us the privilege of sharing this message. Thank you for the testimonies of baptism today, and how clear, Lord, your word has been. And I just pray that that anyone here that doesn't have that relationship with you will respond and invite you to have their lives over. in Jesus' name.